You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 395 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening, April 16th. And I'm joined, as basically always, by Scott Coleman. Scott, how does it feel to be covering a baseball team that has the best record in the National League and the longest winning streak, actively anyway, in all of Major League Baseball? Yeah, it feels pretty good. This was a great week for the Braves, even if the two opponents were not necessarily great teams. Uh, it's the old Bobby Cox. You got to take care against the the bad teams and then just kind of split and uh, go down the middle against the good teams. And the Braves absolutely took care of business this week. Um, six in a row. And a quick note off the top here, the Braves are 12 and four, which you mentioned best record in the National League, but they are 12 and four. The Braves did not pick up their 12th win last year until May 4th. And they were 12 and 14 when they got their 12th win. So clearly a, a big contrast. Yes, last year's season started a little bit later than this year's, but nonetheless, 12 and four is a terrific start, especially when, as fans know very well, there have been so many injuries early on. You take 12 and four every single day of the week. Yeah. And on one hand, we would not be doing our usual service by uh, not saying to not freak out and act like the Braves are going to win every game the rest of the season. But um, just in comparison, like you said about last year, uh, basically this entire recent Braves run, they've never been as good early on as they've been so far this season. I think they were nine and six a few times in the uh, earlier division run. I know they were six and nine, I believe, in 2021, seven and eight last year for 15 games, something like that. So like they were really not great or just pretty solid, like not not hot like this. And yeah, Tampa Bay won every game for two weeks, basically. But aside from that, the Braves are right there at the top of things. And it's been a lot of fun to watch, obviously. I'm fairly sure, maybe you remember this more than I do. I'm fairly sure that I said or you said that you can't expect to go 6-0 and this week on last week's podcast. And I guess we were wrong about that. Hey, I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think we do a good job on this podcast of being level-headed and reasonable with expectations. But, you know, you can never expect back-to-back sweeps, no matter who the opponent is. Baseball is a funny game. But, hey, 6-0, and it's a great start. It was kind of the polar opposite of last year where the Mets were seemingly winning every single night and the Braves just could not figure things out until like Memorial Day, right? It was kind of when the Braves went on their crazy run last year. And obviously at the end of the day, there's a lot of baseball to go. But considering the injuries and how good this team is playing and just the depth, feels like every night somebody new is making an impact. We're going to talk about just how good the top of the lineup has been. But even as good as as the big four and 
a couple of the bullpen guys have, have been, there's been a lot of contributions one through 26 on this roster. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the injuries. We won't go down this rabbit hole just yet. We often would do kind of the more newsy stuff at the top of the podcast because of the, uh, the run. Well, we'll start positive and uh, kind of avoid the injury stuff until later on in the podcast. But um, the Braves have so many guys unavailable right now that it makes it even more stark and impressive. Like, you know, no Iglesias, no Max Freed recently, no Colin McHugh recently. Um, Michael Harris has been hurt. Travis Darno has been hurt. Arcia had this great start. Now he's hurt and they're still winning like this. So the depth of the, uh, of the roster has been impressive so far. They have a few holes that we'll have to talk about at some point. There's one that everyone's talking about, even in the midst of this 12 and four run that we'll come back to at the end of the podcast, but obviously an extremely, extremely impressive start. And it's not like it's been a fluke either. They're not winning one run games necessarily. They're outscoring opponents like like they should be. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens this coming week. But to be on pace for, what, 121 wins, something like that, is uh, not, 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 not a bad place to be through. Uh, basically, ex- almost exactly 10% of the way through. So a long way to go, obviously, but uh, a nice start. Definitely. And of the four losses, I don't want to pick on Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd, but those yeah. two guys were were forced into this role because of the injuries in the spring. And three of the four losses came in Schuster's and Dodd's starts. Um, and on the other hand, then you have a, another young guy like Bryce Elder, who's been really impressive early on in the year. So I think that's something that, of course, is going to balance out. But uh, and it is worth noting the Braves have played a fairly reasonable schedule so far. They have the Nationals. They have the Reds, who have been pretty pesky, actually, early on. The Reds, the uh, Royals. I mean, it's not been a murderer's row. If they were 12-4 and four against the Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, and Padres, uh, you know, you start to joke about what day are we doing the World Series parade. Uh, <laughs> but you can only play the teams that are ahead of you. And take care against the bad teams. The Braves have done that really well. They've also played clean baseball they really haven't been. There was maybe one game in that Padre series that was a little ugly, but for the most part, they've played really sound fundamental ball. The defense has been strong. Again, other than those couple of weird games in the Padre series, they've been pretty good at hitting with runners in scoring position and advancing runners on base and close games. And you know, again, just across the board, especially knowing they've been without like a fifth of their opening day roster for the better part of the year. Uh, there's a lot of things to really like. Yep, and that's a good way to set the table. And, uh, you know, as a, I'm sure people are, are probably yelling by now, three of the four losses were to the Padres, and they see the Padres out there closer to you this week. We'll come back to that at the end of the podcast as well. Uh, let's just dive into some baseball action, talk about the games this week. Obviously, we'll fly through the ones earlier in the week because of that they've been covered a lot by our friends on this podcast network, which is a good time to sort of promote that as well. We have Sean Coleman on the, on the Daily Hammer on the same feed with a podcast to be named later with Stephen Tolbert and Chris Willis as well. They're doing a fantastic job. And uh, I think we're cranking out what five, six shows per week for the most part on this feed. So please subscribe and join us. Not just me and Scott, although you might like this show or or maybe you hate us and you you like Sean and Stephen and Chris, that's, that's definitely possible as well, but join us all the time and uh, leave a rating review, pass the, pass the word along, especially if you have uh, a brace fan friends in your life. They have not found us just yet. We would appreciate that. And I think Scott would individually appreciate it more than anybody else. That's right. No, we do. We appreciate all the support. And I always say these podcasts are a lot more fun to record after a good winning week. And actually, I was going to joke early on Sunday morning that 
it was too bad the Braves were going to lose on Sunday because lately it feels like we cannot record one of these podcasts after a win. They did the threaten have... it today, by the way. They, they, did, they did threaten it a little bit at the end. Like uh, They had the lead and gave it up. I was like, oh, here we go, Sunday afternoon. This is what happens. That's right. Yep, no doubt. It's the podcast curse, but thankfully the Braves were able to win this one today and finish out the sweep. But uh, yeah, no, tune in, people. We really do appreciate the support early in the year. I think as longtime listeners know, we are here every weekend you have Chris and Steven in the middle of the week, which is a nice way to kind of catch really between the two series during the week. And then Sean does a great job on the Daily Hammer. It's a great 15-minute segment every uh, every day or most days to get kind of caught up on the last 24 hours, if you will. Absolutely. All right. Let's get into the Red Series first. And uh, I think it has to begin with Sean Murphy, who had the best week of anyone for the Braves. He kind of a rough Sunday. But before that, um, you know, he, he has this walk off home run in the 10th inning, had two doubles in the game on Monday. He has been ridiculous. And uh, obviously the Braves do miss Travis Darno, who is hurt. But Murphy playing every day is pretty nice when he's uh, when he has it cooking. And between him and Bryce Elder, I think that was the uh, kind of the two man punch on Monday that led to that kind of come from behind walk off victory. Yeah, and it was nice to see Sean have a really big week. Um, I understand that it's natural to freak out or overanalyze the first couple of games of a season. After all, it had been a long offseason, right? Five months since we had had any baseball. And of course, Murphy got get off to like what the 0 and 10, I think was how he started his Braves tenure. But he's from my, I can't imagine he won't win National League Player of the Week if, if MLB still does that. I think they do. Um, but really, every single game this week, especially without Darno, it felt like Murphy was in the middle of the action. Just, I mean, I think we saw firsthand his ability to not only be really good and steady defensively behind the plate, but offensively, I mean, he has power. He works the count. He had a bunch of walks this week as well, which is encouraging has that big violent swing, but I think has a really good command of the zone. So yeah, this was officially Sean Murphy's coming out party in Atlanta. It really was. And, you know, we don't, you know, I was not that we were expecting him to hit like this because he probably won't hit like this in capital letters, but uh, he's really good. And I think people uh, that don't that probably didn't know that maybe all the way through, maybe are reminded of that this week. And we'll come back to him later on. The bullpen was not fantastic. They did lead 3 1 in this game before AJ Minter had a rough night at the office on Monday. Um, that actually reminds me, and I meant to say this uh, earlier, maybe we'll get to it right now. The bullpen, I don't want to jinx it. Scott, you know how we have this uh, sort of immeasurable power on this podcast, obviously, to jinx things. But um, the bullpen, without Iglesias and with McHugh banged up, etc., they are in the top seven or eight in the majors in Fangraph's war. They have a cumulative 2.95 ERA for the season. Uh, you can't really ask for much more than that. Obviously, th- this particular uh, example is kind of why I'm doing this. Minter had a rough one, and like I don't think anybody's worried about AJ Minter in general. But on the whole, the bullpen against not, not not necessarily against all odds, but because they've had all those challenges, it, it's probably good to just remind people like they've still been good on the whole. Yeah, they have, and we've seen Michael Tonkin, who did not have a great game on Sunday in Kansas City, but Michael Tonkin has done a tremendous job as. Really, someone who was fighting for a bullpen spot all spring long. Tonkin has been really good. Um, Nick Anderson has been as advertised, if if not even better. He has great stuff. He, he's been pitching the seventh and eighth innings pretty automatically whenever the Braves are ahead and the game is, is close. 
Um, and, and really, you, you noted with Iglesias being out, you know, because he is that designated ninth inning guy, it it really shifts everybody else's role up a rung. And sure, I don't know if anyone feels great about when, say, Kirby Yates maybe comes in. Uh, but on the counterbalance to that, like Jesse Chavez has been amazing again. Like he's statistically, he's been great. I, I don't think he's given up more than a hit or two despite appearing in a handful of games. Uh, so we we felt good about this bullpen coming in and assuming that Iglesias gets his shoulder right and the same for McHugh, who might return this week. Like I think there's it's pretty obvious why at least statistically fan graphs and some of the other projection models like this bullpen so much coming in. Yep, I strongly agree with that. Um, moving on to Tuesday, which was a game that actually Tonkin, who you just talked about, was really good um, in the middle of that game when Kyle Wright was not. And Kyle was much better uh, this this weekend than he was on Tuesday. That's good to see. But he returned. And, uh, you know, that Kyle Wright being back is, for me, a lot more important than how he actually pitched in that game. He was not necessarily himself. But um, some flashes and the fact that, you know, a guy that you can rely on because, again, not to pick on Schuster and Dodd, they were not great. And just having Wright, who no matter where you are on the Kyle Wright spectrum, whether you are as high as Scott or as low as others may potentially, everyone kind of agrees he's a good pitcher. And just to have Kyle Wright healthy and out there and no issues coming out of that start, that was a, a, a sort of an underrated occurrence this week because obviously they kept winning and uh, that was maybe the lead story. But Wright being there is uh, for his debut after kind of the way that he had that up and down spring was uh, nice to see. It definitely was. And Peter Moylan, who is filling in on this road trip in the booth, who has been great. I've really enjoyed hearing from Moylan. I think he gives a, a great outlook, especially on pitching. And of course, he was a successful big league reliever for many years. So it's not a surprise that he can really uh, break down and analyze pitchers. But Moylan was talking on Sunday that it was pretty clear that Wright's mechanics were just out of whack on Tuesday. Um, he was falling off the mound. He had four walks and two hit by pitches. Um, so there were base runners galore. But at the end of the day, as you noted, it's just about getting Kyle back on the mound. Sure, he probably could have used another rehab start, but knowing the state of the rotation with a few guys banged up, the, the Braves clearly wanted to get Kyle back as quickly as possible. And the fact that he was sharper through more strikes on Sunday is a good sign. And ultimately, he is a guy who was a couple of weeks behind probably everyone else. Uh, he was he took it pretty easy in the early going of spring. And uh, the velocity has also been down a little bit, which is a little bit of a concern. Um, but it's early April. He's still rebuilding his strength. If it's still down in June, July, August, then you probably have to raise your eyebrows a bit more. But a one to two mile an hour drop in velocity this early in the year, at least for me, I'm not panicked or necessarily worried. Yeah, I agree, especially because just like, like what you said, the fact that he was delayed, he didn't have a normal spring training, the ramp up is there. And, uh, you know, TBD is where I will leave that. Um, other than that, on Tuesday, a couple home runs from Matt Olson has been great. Ozzy Albies woke up this week. Good to see that. Not just the home run on Tuesday, but. He is edging his way up to a respectable line for the season. Um, he had another home run today. Ozzy looks the part again. That's nice to see. And usually he's a pretty uh, hot and cold, I guess is the way to say it. Would you agree with that, Scott? I mean, Ozzy's like the definition of a streaky guy, maybe uh, alongside his old partner, Nancy Swanson. But Ozzy getting hot would be nice. He, definitely. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned Dansby. You took the words out of my mouth. I think Dansby had the reputation, and fairly so, rightly so, 
of being a very streaky and hot and cold hitter, um, Ozzy is just as guilty of running super hot and then very cold. Um, and you you talk about this lineup, the top four of Acuna, Olsen, Riley, and Murphy have all been tremendous. But after that, it has been fair to say very much a mixed bag after those big four. If you're talking about getting Ozzy back to his normal self after a rough two weeks, he not only had a couple of home runs this week, he also had a handful of balls that just uh, just missed, right? Like flyouts at the warning track, including a couple in Kansas City this weekend. So then get Ozzy going, hitting for power, um, hopefully w- working the count a little better and getting on base at a decent clip as well. I mean, it's just going to add another dimension to this lineup. Yeah, I feel like we're being really positive. I guess they probably have to be at, at 12 and 4 and 6 and 0 this week. But another thing to mention is the next day, uh, Eddie Rosario hits a big home run in the eighth inning to win a game. And he has not been incredible by any means, but I think he has looked more like Eddie Rosario in basically the start of the season. The supporting stuff in particular, I know you wrote that down in our doc. What are you what are you kind of seeing from Eddie? Because I think he had a rough day today. I believe it was uh yeah, 0 for four today. So maybe that's something to monitor and the numbers again the raw numbers the average obp slugging all that stuff is not looking fantastic but i think that at least he looks like he's kind of backish to at least being a contributor like uh, i think it probably helps him perception wise before i hit it back to you that ozuna has been as bad as he is by the way folks we'll come, we'll come back to marcel little later on i promise but uh what do you see from eddie the results have not been there for eddie but if you dig into his numbers a little bit they are encouraging his exit velocities, his batted ball profile, his hard hit rate, they're all good, which is encouraging. Now, not that it's an automatic guarantee that if you hit the baseball hard, you're suddenly going to have a bunch of hits and extra base hits, but it's encouraging. If Eddie was struggling and the profile was not good, then it's like, oh man, looks like we're going to have another complete black hole in left field. And while it would be nice to see Eddie start to perform a little bit more on a performance and results basis. Um, His baseball savant profile is fine. Uh, So hopefully over the next couple of weeks, they balance out a bit. Um, Not that again, not that it's guaranteed, but he is clearly he's seeing the ball better than he was last year. And hopefully as he continues to play regularly, he hits his groove. It's also worth noting there were a handful of right-handed pitchers this week, but There were a ton of lefties early on that the Braves saw. And of course, Eddie being a lefty doesn't hit very well against them and often is on the bench. So hopefully with him being out there more on a daily basis, we'll we'll only help him as well. Yeah, the one thing in the profile that is not a surprise if you've looked at Eddie's profile or watched him in the past is that his uh, his chase rate is bad and his walk rate is non-existent. That's pretty typical, Eddie. He's not been a, he's never been a high walk guy, but it's been even worse recently. So maybe that's part of the issue. But um, we'll see how that kind of uh, tracks over the course of the next few weeks. Last thing before we get to the Royal Series, um, Ronald Acuna had a massive game on Wednesday, and even beyond that. Ronnie, I believe, yeah, his slash line right now through almost 80 plate appearances is 373, 455, 567 with three home runs and seven stolen bases. Uh, He looks a lot like a guy that I potentially have watched in the past named Ronald Acuna Jr. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, Ronald's back. He looks pretty good. (laughs) I mean, offensively, he's driving the ball. Defensively, he was great, especially in Kansas City, which has some weird 
like park dimensions. I know you were doing some travel and some other things, Brad, but I was blown away kind of how Kauffman Stadium plays. Uh, a lot of curved walls in the outfield, which you don't see a bunch of. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ronald, he's hitting for power. He's running the bases. I believe he has six steals already. Defensively, he's been great. Um, just, I mean, it, it should not come as a surprise that now that he is fully healthy, I think it's becoming more and more obvious by the day that Ronald was never himself, never had his legs fully underneath him last year as he came back from the ACL. Uh, he's fully back. He looks fantastic. Um, even uh, even smaller things like his command of the strike zone has been elite. Like he's not chasing his strikeout rate for a guy who swings as hard as he does is low. His walk rate, I believe, is the best it's ever been. I mean, he's just the complete player. Yeah, it helps to have uh, that guy on your baseball team. And you referenced it once earlier. We could probably do a whole show on the top of the order and the top guys on this roster. We talked about Olsen a lot last week. Ronnie being Ronnie. Riley looks good. Sean Murphy obviously is going to be, you know, he's now locked up as a star for this team for a long time, and he looks great. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it can kind of go under discuss when the best players do what they're supposed to do. Unless they go absolutely nuclear, we can uh, kind of be guilty of overlooking them. We shouldn't, because especially before this run, before the before this week, maybe in the middle of this week, you looked at the numbers for the Braves on offense, and it was basically like these four guys are doing everything. Everybody else is kind of just like there. And uh, that helps. I mean, you, you, on one hand, you have to rely on those guys to be good, but because they are good, you are able to have margin of error elsewhere. So shouts to the stars. They've all been very good. I mean, everybody that's been healthy has been good so far. Yeah, I mean, and let's hope this is kind of the final wave of the injury bug that the Braves have had early on. But let's hope. Yeah, the stars are playing like stars. That's very helpful. All right, let's get to the Royal Series. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, Scott, we already buried the lead. We're talking about the sweep of Kansas City, and it was pretty lopsided until today. The first two games, a combined 19-6. to um, Saturday was kind of weird with the rain delay, but Friday was just a breezy, kind of dominant performance in some ways. Five home runs from the Braves on Friday. I'm going to throw this to you. This is not necessarily a positive development, but uh, I want you to describe the Von Grissom defensive uh, experience. On Friday, because we all talked about, I'm sure everybody knows this by now, that Arcia left the game on Wednesday. 
with an injury is now on the IL, which left Vaughn to come up and play shortstop for the first time this season, at least at the big league club on Friday. And uh, right out of the gate, he was in the crosshairs. Yeah. Baseball is both a beautiful and sick and twisted game uh, because you talk about Grissom coming up and all spring long, the question was, is the defense at shortstop going to be good enough? And as only baseball would do, Grissom was just getting peppered with baseballs at shortstop on Friday night in the first like three or four innings. I I should have looked this up. I think Grissom had more defensive opportunities in the first half of Friday night's game than he had maybe the rest of the weekend. Um, it was just the first ball of the game was hit at him. There was a weird shift and he he kind of double clutched and didn't get it. Uh, there was some debate over his throw to Charlie Morton, whether it was a more of a bad throw or too hard of a throw, or if Morton just whiffed and didn't get over to the base in time and all of that. Um, ultimately it did not matter in the game. The Braves won convincingly, but you know, you, you know, in the back of, of Vaughn's mind, it's like, man, You come up to the majors, all eyes are on you. And there were just, it was a rocket shot after a rocket shot hit at him. Uh, And that was just in the first inning. Second inning, he bobbles the ball up the middle. Maybe he was shielded a little bit by the mound or by Morton. Uh, But then just a couple moments later, he made a tremendous snag on a ball that was hit well to his left and threw out the runner at first base to, to save the team from giving up a couple of runs. Uh, so it's just, I mean, it was probably to be expected. Again, baseball is a funny game. <laughs> but the, the good news is, and you worry a little bit about a guy like getting the yips. I know uh, you mentioned the yips for any baseball player and everyone kind of shudders a little bit. You worry about if he had a bad start that it would get mental with him. But the rest of the weekend was no drama, which is great to see. Yeah, and we'll just let's just talk about it now. Obviously, we talked about Arcia going on the IL. We don't know how long it's going to be for him. I will cop to it. Like our state has been great so far. You know, I, I did not love that decision on, on its, on the surface, but you know, we've always said like, he's a very capable utility guy, but he's been playing well above that so far. So hopefully he is back sooner rather than later, but no timetable. Um, there was one precedent in recent years. Uh, I guess Nick, Nick Castellanos had a similar like micro fracture injury in the wrist. He missed only a couple of weeks, but the Braves have not said how long he'll be out for. And it's clearly Vaughn's job until then I don't know what they're going to do after that. I think that if maybe if Vaughn goes nuts, they'll roll with him. I don't know. But RC being as good as he was makes it more difficult for that to happen. Uh, Vaughn was hitting the ball great in Gwinnett. He looks good at the plate so far in Atlanta. So that's never been really a question for, I don't think, anybody. We did point out last year that Grissom had a pretty rough fall off after the scalding hot start. But even when saying that, we've all kind of been consistent. Like, he's still going to hit. I think everyone believes he's going to hit. But the defense is, uh, as long as we're not talking about it after this, like it's obviously notable right now because he just came up. But if this week happens and we're not talking about Vaughn's defense, that's a big win. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's well said. Like, stay off the radar. We don't we don't want to talk about Vaughn's defense, which is, you know, and that's a compliment to him, right? That means that there was no drama, um, you know, kind of like Arcia. Like he made, Arcia, I thought, was better than expected defensively, at least oh, yeah. early on. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I was blown away. I was like, wow, he really pick it. And he was, I mean, it was years ago, but Arcia was a starting everyday shortstop for the Brewers a couple of years ago. It's been a while. And obviously he lost his job and fell out of favor. But um, I think it now that we're all of two and a half weeks into the year between Arcia, and it does not sound like it's going to be a long-term thing, doesn't need to have surgery, which is great. I'm guessing he probably just has a hard cast on that wrist. Um 
you know, I think you at least feel pretty good about the shortstop situation moving forward. You're going to get Arcia back. It will be interesting to see what the Braves do with Grissom whenever Arcia is eligible to come off the IL. Uh, that, that might be a discussion for another day, but uh, <laughs> you know, th- there's at least options here. It's not like we're we're sitting here recording this on the 16th of April. Like, man. When's the earliest the Braves can start realistically looking at shortstop options on the trade market? You know, we are definitely not to that point right now. Yeah, and I I don't say this to be negative or mean, but I do feel the need to just point out that Braden Schumick has a 39 WRC plus in Gwinnett right now. Uh, I I don't think he's going to be an option unless something weird happens. So I know that was a thing for a couple of days and weeks in the spring, but he's he's not proven he can hit. So there's that. Um, moving on to Saturday. We, we talked about Murphy. There is one stat I want to make sure we get out there uh, that I think Bowman had. Um, he became the second player in Braves history, like the history of the Braves franchise going back to Milwaukee and Boston, etc., to have at least nine extra base hits in a five-game sample. Again, think about who's played for the Braves. Think about all the players. Think about you know, even, even recently, think about the run that Austin Riley had last year where he basically was Babe Ruth for a month. Think about Hank Aaron, obviously. Think about Chipper and all those to all those runs. No one, none of those guys that I just mentioned or any other stars that you're thinking of on top of your head ever had nine extra base hits in five games. And Sean Murphy did this week. So, yeah, not bad. That, that's <laughs> a, that is a crazy stat. And you mentioned, I mean, there's like a list of Hall of Fame hitters who have come through this organization over the years. Um, oh, yeah. by the way, I, I, should, I, should, I should say who actually, who actually had that mark. It was Joe Adcock. So if you if you had if you had that on your on your program, congratulations to you. Am I a bad fan for ha- having never heard of Joe Adcock? Before? I mean, considering our ages, uh, this this uh, record was held. This is again per Mark Bowman of LBB.com. Uh, Adcock did it in 1954. So I think you're probably safe. It's okay. Okay, good. Good to know. My baseball fandom card has not been revoked live on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we it really was the coming out party for Murphy. We really liked the trade at the time, and I think it even grew on us a bit as we started to really evaluate uh, this team and how the roster was being put together. But, um, yeah, I mean, this was the Sean Murphy week other than Sunday where I think he went hitless. I mean, every night it seemed like he had a big hit. Um, Defensively, teams are not running on the Braves a ton on the base paths. Murphy has been pretty good in throwing guys out. He did have one game, I think it was this week actually, where – he just kept airmailing the throw a little bit. I don't know if there was something going on mechanically or what, um, but it's again, we're, we're all of two and a half weeks into a six year contract with Murphy, but I think everyone's feeling really good about that right now. Yeah, I would uh, concur with all of that elsewhere on Saturday. I talked about Ozzy before he played really well. They did have a little bit of drama. It was still five, three in the eighth inning. It blew it open from there. And we should stop here and just say, like, Bryce Elder, and we, we talked about him for a second earlier in the podcast, but he was rock solid again on Saturday. And I will raise my hand as a, at least a slight Bryce Elder skeptic. Not that I think he's bad, but I have not seen the upside necessarily. And who cares about that right now with the way he's pitching? The fact that he's been doing what he's been doing for a while. I'll let you give the stats that you pulled about Bryce Elder as well. But, like, if he's your fifth starter, like... You're you're fine. I mean, he's. I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Glavin or anything, but Bryce Elder looks. I mean, he's just, every night he goes out there and just like does what he has to do, and is not like flashy at all. But he's just he's just fine, which is all they need. 
Yeah, right. Like we know the top of this rotation is really good, assuming they can get healthy and stay healthy. But the Braves did need somebody to solidify the back of the rotation. And really not even just in three starts this year with Elder, but going back to September of last year, uh, in seven starts since September of 2022, and keep in mind, this is all at Bryce's age 23. He's been 23 for all of this. A 1.66 ERA, 2.49 FIP, 3.55 XFIP, and good strikeout and walk numbers. Uh, and you mentioned he's not a guy who's going to go up there and blow up the radar gun or make guys fall over with the wipeout slider, but he's done a good job commanding the zone. He's throwing strikes. Uh, he's working pretty deep into games over this seven-start stretch. He's averaged uh, a little more than six innings per start, which is great. Uh, it is worth noting with Elder, um, the opponents he has seen in this stretch have not been very good. I believe last year he faced the Marlins and the Nationals a couple of times, and then this year the Royals. I think one of his starts came against the Reds, uh, maybe the other one against St. Louis, who does have a good lineup. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, whatever he can give this team as a fifth starter, like I don't ultimately care. He doesn't need to be an ace. If he can go out there and eat five, six innings every time, uh, it only is going to help this team even more. Yeah, it's just kind of been stark and uh, shouts to him. Just flat, kind of going out there and doing what he, what he has to do. Um, Sunday is, of course, the game that we just watched collectively. I'm sure most listeners of this podcast saw the game as well. Um, a little bit of back and forth. As referenced before, they did blow the lead in this game. Um, it got a little bit tight at the end. Um, there were some nice moments, though, along the way. Again, Vaughn Grissom kind of he didn't uh, walk it off, but he was the uh, the hero on this particular afternoon. Ozzy homers. Ronnie had this double. I'm not even sure if you saw it, but it was in the eighth inning. He got around on like a 99-mile-an-hour fastball down the left field line, and it was just like one of those swings that only like only uh, aliens can make. Like I, I was just blown away by that swing i mean obviously it's ronald cunia we're not like surprised but man he's he's ridiculous sometimes i don't know yeah. it was crazy he's pretty good i do want to know at what point in the offseason did the kansas city royals front office come together and say the world this chapman is the missing piece to this roster uh, i yeah i wouldn't employ him for multiple reasons but yeah that's uh yeah. no thanks on that but yeah that was that was a funny yeah you're right that's a funny roster choice on on many levels because the royals are not like horrific i don't think but i mean they've been bad this year so far but i, I yeah that's a, just an odd team to have signed him uh you know they have some yeah. strengths on that roster that's not one of them uh they do have bobby Wood jr i enjoyed your yeah. bobby Wood jr joke today uh that you told on twitter <laughs> about the about the award for medals having a triple that was good thank god the the braves don't see the royals anymore because uh i had enough of bobby witt this weekend <laughs> looks like a star in the making um yeah, the Royals, man. They have those two World Series runs. They won it in 2015, and it has been all downhill since then. And worth noting, for record-keeping purposes, uh, the Braves hiring Dayton Moore instead of Alex Anthopoulos in 2018 would have been a disaster, even with all of the talent that was in the system. Just wanted to throw that one out there. Yeah, I had not thought about Dayton Moore in a while, uh, just for whatever reason, but it's a good point <laughs> just like that hypothetical is one that might make you shudder if you are a Braves fan uh I just did in fact live on the air if you heard me stutter there it's because I was thinking about Dayton Moore what it would it look like not yeah. quite the same as it and he been. and Moore is with the Texas Rangers now um but I mean he's responsible for the uh 
downfall of the Royals, I guess we'll say. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could obviously he he deserves some credit. It was a little bit strange the building process, but he does get the credit for building those teams. Like, oh he was, yeah. He, yeah, he was in charge for a long time. Uh, the thing was, like a lot of people that I don't know if he would describe them as more analytically inclined were never fans of what they were doing, but it worked twice. <laughs> it did right. work twice. So that, there you go. Banner flies forever at Kauffman Stadium. I mean, it sure does. It's easy to win a World Series. Everybody would do it, but uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, I guess getting back to Sunday's game, it was nice that the Braves battled back after you know getting they're up four to one, and and Kansas City came back to tie it. That would have been a real bummer to end the week on, but thankfully they came back. Yeah, I started to kind of just like fill in the document that we use for our podcast just to say, all right, the Braves did what they always do on Sundays, but they didn't. They uh, put it, they, they came back and put it away. Shouts to Vaughn Grissom for making this podcast a lot more positive on a Sunday evening. Now, there is one topic that is not so positive, and we got so many questions and tweets and everything that we have to talk about it. So I think we've probably earned some talk about some negativity on this podcast because we were pretty positive all the way through, Scott. But uh, Marcelo Zuna, I guess we have to talk about him every week now because it's been just unendingly bad so far. Uh, he did not he did not play today, which is nice. But uh, he has a 14 WRC plus. That is a 075, 196, 225 slash line in 12 games. He has three hits in 12 games, two home runs in a single. Uh, and we, just beyond that, that alone is enough to talk about this. But we've got some questions. Kind of a mini mailbag of sorts. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you the questions that we got. So, a listener named James asked us why it wouldn't be an option to have Ozuna just go to Gwinnett, basically, and see if he can figure it out there. There is one practical reason, and then one more like real life reason. I mean, I I, I don't mind the ingenuity because I think it was probably the question was asked from a place of just kind of get him off my field, basically. But uh, I don't know, man. Where's your head out with Marcelo Ozuna, and why can't he go to Gwinnett? Yeah, it's. Uh... To answer the question about why Ozuna cannot be optioned, he has too much service time in the major leagues. He's been around for over nine years now in terms of his service time, so he cannot go to the minors without consent. I cannot imagine that Marcel would want to go down. Um, I mean, at this yeah, point, because because life in the just anybody that may not be thinking about why that would be life in the minors, travel, hotels, everything is not a lot of fun compared to. Major League Baseball. So even if you're like, okay, just take the most positive approach possible and say, all right, Marcel would like to resurrect his career. That's a noble thought. But if you are a guy who has made a lot of money and has making more money, do you want to go ride the bus, like actually ride a bus for however long it takes and yeah. approve that? And and instead of getting your stipends and everything, obviously he's going to be getting paid the same amount because he's got a contract. But like quality of life-wise, if you're Marcel Ozuna, it probably isn't going to be a lot of fun to be booed, which he was this week, but uh, it might be better than going to win it if you're him, if, especially if you don't. Honestly, I'll ask you this too. Would it even fix anything? I mean, I kind of no. don't think so. No, he, he he is a lost cause. Like th- there is no reason to think that other than an occasional home run, th- there's nothing here. I mean, Marcel is hitting worse. He is hitting worse than Eddie Rosario a year ago when Eddie needed his eyeball to be surgically repaired. I mean, Eddie's retina was disconnected from his eyeball and he was still hitting better than Marcelo Zuna is hitting this year. I with- can't even try. I can't, I can't even try to give yeah. you the case. Like in the past, 
as much as we've not really enjoyed the Marcelo experience the last couple of years, there was like the stat cast profile and hits the ball hard. And like, if you want to do that still, I mean, you, I guess you probably could. This is year three, man. Like it's not, and you'll notice we're not talking about anything but on the field. It's all on the field. There's still this contingent that I always get. Anytime we comes, I'm not sure if you have the same experience as I do, Scott. Oh, 100%. Yes. It's always like, well, you guys only don't like it because of the, I'm like, no, I, I don't. At this point, I'm not, I'm not even talking about that. Yes, I didn't like that. But guys, he, he's been very bad on the baseball field for three years. Like that is, just leave it there. If that's what you want to talk about, that's fine. But like, there's very little evidence. And the thing is, he's got a hit. And this is not, none of this is new, but he's so bad on defense. He's playing some left field. That's that's really bad. He can't run. So when you are a DH only player that doesn't hit, it's pretty obvious that you're just you're hurting everybody involved. And yes, even the, I think it was yesterday. I got somebody in my mentions like, well, who else are they going to play? I mean, anybody. The answer is anybody. He's been that bad. We'll get into Von Grissom question in a second about this. But like Sam Hilliard would be better. I mean, that he's been better so far this year, obviously. But like I, I understand that on paper the Braves don't have a ton of depth at DH in particular, other than the, other than, than, than the second catcher, but it doesn't even matter. Like, and it's, it's a feeling that, you know, we're, I think much more level-headed than most observers on this stuff that are like Braves only people. And we're telling, like, there's just nothing there, man. I mean, maybe yeah. we'll be wrong. Maybe he'll have a great two weeks, but I, I just, I don't see it coming. No, I, I don't either. And it's difficult because it's not even like he is a specialty player. Like, say that Marcel could not hit righties, but he was mashing left-handed pitching. Then he is your left-handed pitcher option at DH. He's not. He has almost reverse splits. He doesn't hit lefties. He doesn't hit anybody. He doesn't (laughs) play defense. He doesn't run. He doesn't conduct himself well off the field. Like, it's just, I don't know what else the Braves need to see. Like, I really don't. And I know he has the contract. But look, man, you're paying him no matter what why compound on it and play him semi-regularly there there's just no reason for it hopefully with Travis Darnot coming back hopefully soon from the concussion and Michael Harris coming back from the back strain I mean it there's just no reason to ever 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 play him you have you mentioned Sam Hilliard who had a great week he has kind of a funny profile he's striking out a ton Um, He's also walking a bunch and hitting for extra base hits. Um, But, you know, defensively, an infinitely better option, much faster. Uh, Kevin Pillar, offensively, the results have not been there. But I like Kevin Pillar. He plays the game hard, right? He goes out there, he gives it at all. He's going to kill himself in left field if he's not careful. He keeps like slamming into the wall trying to make a play on baseballs. But I like Kevin Pillar. You, you go down the list, and once you get Michael Harris back, you have center field covered. Now you find somebody for left field. Eli White has only had a couple of at-bats, but Eli White has a history of being a decent option in the minor leagues. He gives you something that Marcel doesn't. I just I don't know, man. I really don't know what else this team needs. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. We've done our little mini rant. I, I, there is one more question that I have to ask you because it's pertinent to our conversation earlier about Von Grissom, and this is through the lens of when our when Arcia comes back. But old friend Stephen Godfrey of Split Zone Duo and other things, college football writer, podcaster extraordinaire, asked a question of us on Twitter that we kind of all asked before, but it's basically the same thing. Like, why is Grissom playing a triple A at shortstop and not just playing left field or DHing instead of instead of Ozuna? And uh 
I, I don't know, Stephen, is the question. Uh, I, I think that I've said for a while, like if 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 they were just committed to going to Arcia, I would have been trying Vaughn in, in the outfield in the spring. And I think that it can be overstated how easy it is to play left field, quote unquote. But they literally tried Austin Riley in left field. They they did that. And Austin Riley, God love him, is not the same kind of fluid athlete in space that Von Grissom is. I think Von Grissom would be at least passable in left field pretty quickly if they tried that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously not just a Ozuna versus Grissom conversation. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if they don't go back to, sorry, if they do go back to Arcia and Vaughn hits, they kind of have to try it at some point, don't they? I, it just seems so obvious to me. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like the organization wants to move Grissom to left field. They don't. Like, they don't. Under any circumstance. Uh, maybe it, it becomes a point where you have to. Uh, you know, if, if we're another month or two in and while Kevin Pillar plays hard, just he's hitting a buck 50 and Sam Hilliard comes crashing down to earth, like, and then Eddie Rosario too is, has been fine. We think he's going to get better, um, you know, but it doesn't seem like the Braves want to move Grissom to left. I don't necessarily disagree. Um, it does bring an interesting question that maybe we should hit on quickly. You know, if Grissom is hitting, let's say the Braves are refusing to move him to left field, but would you want him to be your DH and play most days? You also have Travis Darno in the equation. And I guess Sean Murphy as your DH options as well, or do the Braves have kind of more of a long-term outlook on Grissom and send him back to Gwinnett so he can continue to play shortstop every day, which would only help his long-term development uh, you know, at the trade of not being able to help the major league team this year, I think I know which way I lean and which way the Braves are going to lean. And that is with Grissom going back to the minors so he can continue to develop as a shortstop, which is hopefully his long-term future. But it is a discussion and conversation that is you know, both being had and is going to probably come up again here in a couple of weeks. Right. And part of the answer is, we don't know in that it's kind of like, how does he play at shortstop in the majors until Orsay is back and how, and how is he hitting? Because if he's really hitting and he's holding his own at shortstop, it's really hard to send him back to triple a. Um, and maybe, and this goes to the same thing with, with the Ozuna topic and all of it. Um, it does change. I don't want to almost said help. It does change the conversation when the Braves are winning anyway, like there's less urgency. We've seen, Alex and this front office kind of go to options that we didn't expect when they weren't lighting the world on fire. If the Braves were seven and nine right now, the tenor of all of it would, would be different. I think they can just point at the scoreboard and say, hey, we're 12 and four guys. Like we don't have to worry about this that much right now. That's part of this as well. Um, I would, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll come back to this later on too. I think I, if, if Vaughn, let's assume Vaughn is playing well, and that means good enough defense and good enough offense. I would almost kind of do a hybrid approach of those two things, which is a little bit nuanced, obviously. I don't think Arcia is so good that you have to play him every single day at shortstop. I think they've given him a contract that is more of a utility guy contract. Why can't, I will ask you and everybody else listening, why can't they have Grissom DH sometimes and play shortstop sometimes and have Arcia be your utility guy in those instances? And because I I, th- I think that part of this too is that when you have Darno and Murphy, they're going to DH some. I think we're, we've seen that they're not going to DH every single day. The Braves don't want to just 
alternate them, have them play each play every single day. They're not going to do that, but they're going to DH some, which means there isn't a full-time DH role for Grissom to have. But why can't he DH twice a week or three times a week and play shortstop the other three or four times a week? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a very valid question. And I would love to know internally where the Braves feel on this. Um, you know, it well, is worth noting, <laughs> you know, it is worth noting, though, that there were a lot of things in Orlando Arcia's first two and a half weeks and even his spring training data, which you never want to overanalyze. Uh, but Fangraphs and Dan Zimborski, who oversees Zips, had a good article a couple of days ago on the Braves calling Grissom up, but also talked at length about Arcia. And he does a lot of things really, really well. Like his command of the strike zone, Arcia's, is bordering on elite. And that was, of course, only with two weeks of data. But his uh, in-plate or in-zone recognition and not chasing off the plate was up there with some of the best hitters in the game, like your Freddie Freemans and your Juan Soto types. Now, no one's saying that that Arcia is that level of hitter, and I don't think anyone expects him to continue to be this rock star that he was the first two weeks of the year. But I think the Braves really do like Orlando Arcia. They do. And, and they do. And I don't know if they're willing to go away from a decision that they made in the spring. So all of this is to say it is going to be a very interesting situation. Hopefully it becomes a non-problem because Grissom is hitting so well that you can't really send him back and Arcia continues to play at a high level. So you have really then two good options at a position where you didn't necessarily feel great about it even as of three weeks ago. Uh, but it is a, a a big time decision that's going to be made because I do also see the benefit long term of having Grissom back in Gwinnett and playing shortstop every single night compared to DHing and filling in at shortstop every now and then. Yeah, it, it's an interesting discussion. I don't, I'm not firm on anything on this, and I, I think that um, it is very possible that they just want to roll Arcia both because they like him and because he is playing well, and he was playing legitimately well to your point. So. Um, it's hard for me to, to ignore the long sample of him at the plate before the last couple of years, but look, he might just be a different hitter now and that, that would be different and shortstop uh, defensively he was playing well. So that's part of this too. And uh, it's a good quote unquote problem. If Grissom plays great, they'll have to make a decision or two, but like, that's not a bad place to be. You rather have Grissom playing better and force the force in their hand a little bit. than they, then you then sort of the alternative where um, we kind of laughed about this actually with someone, I won't name him who it is, someone who's around the organization, like, what, what what would the reaction have been like on Friday if Snit started Adrianza at shortstop instead of Grissom? Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> I think the Braves have Adrianza on the roster as a pure like clubhouse guy. It's you. He's you. I mean, it, there's some there's some nice depth there where he could just kind of play everywhere. But yes, he's definitely not going to play very often. Yeah, it was just so it was more of a hypothetical for laughs. But like I could see the Twitter just melt on that first day after the RC injury. All right, we're gonna call it Von Grissom and we're gonna start Adrian Zetrosta. <laughs> would have been incredible. It would be it was probably up there with on, I believe, Saturday, the MLB app pushed out a wrong lineup that had Marcelo Zuna batting second. Oh, I don't baby. know if you saw this. I missed now, that. Of one. course, it was an error, and I'm guessing it was just like uh coded wrong because you have Marcel Ozuna and Matt Olson, so M-O oh. initials. Yeah. Um, but there was like maybe two minutes of absolute freak out of like you you've got to be kidding me. Um, yeah, I think it would have probably been a similar reaction if uh Adrianza was out there. Um 
Yeah. But no, it, it had made this weekend made for, I think, a reignition of this very contested battle that there was in the spring. And ultimately, maybe it's something that's going to get played out and will kind of be answered on its own based on how Grissom plays over at least the next week or so. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll end it there. I just felt like we had to talk about Ozuna because we got so many questions about it, and the numbers are so bad. And um, <clears throat> look, he might he might play on Monday. We'll we'll see how that has handled, and we'll talk about it uh, later on this week if we have to. Last thing before we get out of here, other than guys coming back soon, Michael Harris is actually eligible to return on Monday. It's not going to be activated, it seems like, but there he's getting closer. Same with Darno, um, Colin McHugh, etc. Those guys are on their way back. But the Braves go to the West Coast beginning tomorrow. It is Scott Coleman time, ladies and gentlemen. A couple of 9.40 p.m. Eastern time starts on Monday and Tuesday. And for those of you that don't don't know this, that means Scott usually handles all of the coverage stuff for battery power because he's the only one on the West Coast. So, Scott, it's a big week for you. That's right, baby. Get some Scott Coleman recaps. It feels like whenever I get the recaps, I don't do a ton of them for the site, uh, but it feels like when I do, there's always like weird drama that happens in the game. So at, at 2 a.m. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So hopefully now with the uh, with the pitch clock and the shortened games, folks won't have to stay up until like 1 a.m. on the East Coast to watch, which is nice. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a series that it's a, it's a little odd that the Braves are already done with the Padres as yeah. of the middle or mid late April. It'll be with, what? It'll be like April nineteenth when they finish up the season series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little unconventional. Um, it, you know, of all times to get the Padres though, even though they kicked the Braves' ass uh, last weekend at Truist. Uh, you know, they don't have Tatis. I think Tatis is actually due back on Thursday, so that's a nice break. They still don't have Joe Musgrove. Uh, they're going to see the Braves are going to see Ryan Weathers, Blake Snell, and Nick Martinez, which is not necessarily a murderer's row. They they will not see Michael Waka, which is, I guess, a win after what Waka did to him last week. And then you get Max Freed back, which is obviously big news. And then you get Spencer Strider and Charlie Morton. So even though the weekend series in Atlanta did not go great, you have Freed, Strider, Morton. I, you know, I don't care who you're playing or what the situation is. I think anytime you have those three going, you you have to feel good. Yeah, um, you know, and obviously the only series the Braves have lost this year, so they have some uh, extra emphasis with this one. Freed's return is huge and uh, advantage Braves in some respects. Of course, you have to go to San Diego, which means a long flight between now and then and all that fun stuff. Less long of a flight than it would have been from Atlanta, mind you, but still not like down the street to San Diego. So that's one to keep an eye on. And then Thursday they're off and they return home for a pretty big series. Now the Astros are not as good on paper this year as they've been the last few years. And they're, I believe seven and eight as we speak, but they have, and they, they play tonight actually at Sunday night baseball. Um, but the Astros come to Atlanta and that is, of course, the last two World Series champions playing each other. And also, of course, the rematch of the 2021 World Series that the Braves happened to win. Um, Houston, not a gauntlet, but I mean, that's still a good baseball team. And they're coming here. And I'm sure there'll be lots of attention on that series because of just who it is. Um, and uh, it is my duty, as always, Scott, to tell you, and everybody else, that Friday is once again Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> oh, the people yeah, love it. There, there is uh free subscriptions for people who if you didn't subscribe last weekend apple tv plus has 
uh, a free service or a free sign up or whatever you want to call it for the Friday game, which is nice. Um, so there, there are ways to watch the game. I know there's still some the free people. Out. The people love it, though. I'll tell you that right now. Everybody's um, just fired up. I can. I, can't you just feel we, the buzz? I'm sure you can out, out there as well in Arizona. Just the buzz for Apple TV Plus broadcast. Like, oh, yes, my team's on Apple TV Plus. They, Everybody's fired up. I know it is not the most accessible thing, but <laughs> the broadcasts on Apple are gorgeous. They, they, they look great. That's true. And if, if you have a halfway decent television or laptop or whatever you watch on, I mean, they are beautiful compared to what the the regional networks broadcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you, like you mentioned the last two World Series champions, a history between these teams. Uh, the Astros are, I think, 500 as of uh, recording this. They don't have Jose Altuve. They don't have Michael Brantley. They don't have Lance McCullers, who were all banged up. So that's a nice little break, uh, but still a really good roster. I mean, the Astros just kind of feel inevitable in the American League, uh, even though the AL looks better this year than it was last year. You know, it's a franchise that's really had minimal resistance to the World Series the last five, six years in the AL. And once they get healthy and cooking, that's going to be a really good, uh, really good team. And it should be a really good series as well. I strongly agree with that. Um, All right. Well, Scott, we've covered a lot of ground on this podcast. The Braves are rolling and that makes a lot of uh, fun for us to talk about them. Uh, We're always going to be here anyway. I think people that are new listeners may not know that, but we're not going to just like come and go. We we do the podcast all the way through the offseason, but As Scott said earlier, it is admittedly easier and probably more enjoyable to talk about the Braves when they win. So that was a nice uh, little uh, festival this week at 6-0. Scott, anything else to add? And if not, please tell people they can find your work across the sports world because I know you have lots of hot takes about your Sacramento Kings 1-0 in the playoffs. That's right. I am a very weird... uh, Back in the day, I liked the (laughs) Sacramento Kings. So it was their first playoff game in what, like 18 years or something crazy? Um but no, I mean, it's uh, it was a good week for the Braves. Good week if you're a basketball fan. Um, yeah, no, thanks to everybody for checking us out. I'm at Scott Coleman 55 on Twitter. Brad is at BT Roland on Twitter. Batterypower.com, BatterypowerSBN on Twitter. Uh, lots of great content. You mentioned that we are here, win, lose, or draw, no matter what, uh, which is not always the case for some team sites, which is kind of funny to me, like, a team will lose a couple in a row and a you know, magically there's no recap that night on the site. Uh, no, no, you, you get it all with the Braves makes the wins even sweeter when you stick through us with the, uh, with the bad times. But, uh, this was fun, Brad, and look forward to doing it again next weekend. We will do that. Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the show. As Scott just mentioned, and, uh, we'll be here throughout the process. Um, I should announce that hopefully I was coherent during this podcast. I became an uncle over the weekend and I have not slept at all. So Scott carried me on his back in a way that he always does, to be honest, but even more so this time around. So thank you, Scott, for me. I appreciate you doing this. You got it, buddy. Congratulations to you and your family. Really exciting. And uh, yeah, get yourself some sleep. I can tell uh, you've had a lot of travel the last maybe 72 hours. You the are last like eight. seven weeks has been just absolutely insane. So yeah, I didn't have yeah. to, but here we are. I appreciate yep. everyone listening to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. And uh, with all that said, we'll see you all next week.
The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Plot 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic.